the wildest thing that ever happened, it actually didn't happen to this agency. It happened at a previous agency when I was in Alabama and we were having to re-underwrite our entire homeowner's book of business. So I had to go out to a very nice neighborhood and re-underwrite this house. And so couldn't find it. Finally had to ask a neighbor where it was at and they didn't have a mailbox. It had been knocked down. So I had to go up to the house and honestly, I mean, it was the worst house in the neighborhood. It was a little sketch and uh, knocked on the door. It was like a very NOLA type house. So it had like a like an enclosed front stoop that was like locked by a gate. And so I'm knocking on the, you know, the gate trying to ring the doorbell and nobody wants to come. And so I'm like, well, I'm, I'm just getting out of here. This guy comes out and he, you know, no shirt on shorts <laughs> on that are like stained. And he is just like Coke bottle glasses and just mumbling, you know, wanting to know why I'm there. And so I had to tell him, you know, who I was, what I was doing there. And um, so he's like, all right, well, you know, I'm busy, you know, just come in and, you know, get it done. I was like, sure, no problem. So he unlocks the gate to let me in and I walk in the door in front of, and as soon as he closes the door, he turns the lights off to the house and it's completely black. What? Oh yeah. Craziest thing I've ever seen. I literally <laughs> thought that like he was going to tell me to put lotion on my skin, like Buffalo Bill or something. <laughs> I was in like silence of the land. Holy moly. So like, cause I, so I go like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? He's like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. Just, you know, he flips the lights back on. I don't know what he did. And so I was like beelining it to get to the backyard so I could take pictures of the back of the house. So I got out there, took pictures and I was like, man, I am not going back through that house. <laughs> so I go around, try to get out the other side of the gate. Well, everything is locked. I mean, there's no way to get out of the gates. There's no way to get anything. And so I was like, oh, my God. Maybe I'm going to go back, I'm gonna have to go back through the front of this house. And so I literally like, I'm all right. I, I, I've got my pictures at the back. I'm going to the front. I'll take the pictures. I'm good to go. And he just kind of yells at me. All right. So I walk to the front and he has locked the front gate. So right. I couldn't get out the front door. And so I was like, oh, my God, this guy really, he's, he's about to get me. And, uh, but he, he doesn't, he doesn't, he actually comes out there, unlocks the gate. And I mean, I'm talking about, it, I'm high stepping it, getting into the car, but it literally was the, that probably 10 seconds of like total pitch black felt like three minutes. I thought, I, I thought I was a goner, but, uh, but yeah, that's about the craziest thing I ever had happen. That is insane. Yeah. So I'm Jamie Bragg with Binders Insurance Group out of Carrollton, Georgia, and I am a teledude. Insurance dudes are on a mission to escape being handcuffed by our agencies. How? By uncovering the secrets to creating a predictable, consistent, and profitable agency sales machine. I am Craig Pretzinger. I am Jason Feldman. We are agents. We are insurance dudes. Boom! Boom! Dude, that is incredible. I thought that you were going to say, and then he... He said, do you know where you are? You're in the jungle. <laughs> You're going to die. Awesome bar chords. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was, it was creepy. Well, th- describe uh, your emotional state when the lights went out. Um, kind of like the uh, feeling you get when you jump out of the back of a plane. <laughs> you just know you're going to die, right? You just know <laughs> it's going to happen. You were like, I've now accepted my death. This is it. <laughs> this weird house. Yeah. But uh, he flipped wow. the lights back on. Thank goodness. How weird. I wonder what that was all about. I, and to be honest with you, it was a, I mean, it was a very, very nice neighborhood. And, and uh, this obviously was just one of the sketchy houses in there. I guess that's why it needed to be re-underwritten. <laughs> Strange. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm not going to any more houses. No, I was done after that. <laughs> oh, so good.
So, Jamie, let's dive into what got you into the insurance business. What was life like before that? And what was the catalyst that brought you into the insurance business? Wow. Um, I actually wanted to do insurance. It was strange. Most people never say that. Um, out of college, I had a bunch of um, economics courses that focused on it. And, and about the only interviews that I could get were for life insurance companies, solely life insurance. And it was going to be commission only. And I just really didn't have the guts to do it at that point in time. And so I had done uh, political science in college. So I actually ended up working for who ultimately became the insurance commissioner of Georgia just ended up kind of falling in my lap. I ended up getting a, uh, on with a guy that was opening up a big red agency down in South Alabama. And so I went to work with him and we did pretty good. He ended up getting his contract. I wanted to stay on with him. And, um, but at that point in time, State Farm was not appointing anybody down on the Gulf. They had um, appointed somebody in the city where I was going to go. Uh, and so I said, well, I'm going to go independent. I had a guy that I was friends with because at that point in time, you, we had a percentage growth we could write. So we could only grow in fire, which we call fire homeowners, by like 3%. So I was sending business out left and right to everybody. I'm like, good Lord, why can't I write any of this? We're just writing tons of cars, can't write any homeowners. Why? Cat exposure. So um, oh. this was, you know, uh, Ivan. So, you know, we were limited on what we could write in homeowners. And so we were just referring a bunch of it out. And when it's crazy. Yeah. So when I didn't have a spot, I said, well, I'm going to try my hand at going independent. And so I did that and loved it, uh, but had some things go on, ended up being with an agency that got acquired by Arthur J. Gallagher and um, just really didn't fit at that time. So went back uh, captive and ultimately I'm from Carrollton. So I wanted to come back home and uh, have my own agency. And so fell in my lap that State Farm had an opportunity in Bremen, which is about 12 miles from Carrollton. So I took that over in 14 and uh, did that for a while. And the independent itch just never left me. So, you know, we kept trucking along with State Farm and it was great, but uh, ultimately just, you know, y'all are in the same market that, that everybody's in. It's become a little bit of a hard market and my, me and my wife have been talking about it for a while that it might be an opportunity to switch because she actually is in this business too. So she's had an agency since 16. Oh, and, cool. Uh, yeah. So wow. I decided to jump ship and go work with her. I say with her. She probably says for her. <laughs> <laughs> I choose my battles. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I didn't know. I didn't know your wife had an agency. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. With the uh, State Farm opportunity, was that hard to let go? It's hard to let go of the money that was just rolling into my checking account every month. But I will say it, it was not hard to let go in the fact that I, I do love to produce. And I'd just gotten to the point of where I was really complacent and we just weren't growing at a level that we used to. And that, I don't know, my heart wasn't in it really, uh, you know, so, mm. um, but yeah, I tell you, when you go from yeah. um, that check hitting your account twice a month to walking out the door going, Hey, I've got to figure out how to recreate this. It's, <laughs> it's a nerve wracking feeling. Right. Yeah. And, and then, then also trying to figure out how to not just have the job that you were doing, right. Where you're doing all those things, plus a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's that, that's that balance, like shifting to the ownership mentality. Yeah. W what was the earliest big, like win as an agent that made you just say, I love this. This is, this is the way to go. And I doubt it was when the light, when the lights got turned out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not it. So when I left and went independent down when I was working on the coast, 
uh, I decided, and it kind of fell in my lap. I had this gentleman that he was a private client, pretty much private client group um, through like AIG. And I was like, man, I tell you, I can, I can do this. You know, I understood the product and really started going after a lot of high value um, personal lines clients and um, ended up getting this one guy that had goodness, four or five houses spread out through a couple of states and a plane. And I mean, I, I think all in all, he was probably seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 in premium at that point. It might've been more than that. That, that was the big win where I was like, well, this can be something good. So I, I enjoyed doing that. It's a lot easier to find some of those customers sitting down at the beach with, you know, million dollar homes <laughs> there than it is at Carrollton. But uh, that was the that was the first big win that that told me I really, really wanted to continue mm -hmm. doing this. So you've been in multiple agencies. What is your team like now, and what kind of teams have you been a part of, and have you grown with? So relatively, they've all been small, other than one. You know, most of the agencies that I've been with have been under, you know, five or under. Um, they've always been personal lines, other than one. Um, I was a part of, and that's the one that got taken over by Gallagher. Um, I was with um, an independent firm that they were the largest uh, condominium association insurer on the coast. So back then they were around 315 condominium associations. So we're saying like, you know, the big 20 story at the beach condos. Um, so there were around about 315 and they insured maybe 130 of them. And so there was wow. about uh, 15 or 20 people there and it was huge. Uh, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, you write, you write one of those condos and everybody's high-fiving and uh, celebrating. You lose one of those condos and then somebody gets <laughs> threatened to be fired. And right. They're big. Yeah. But that's yeah, most, tough. Yeah, Going that's out, tough. You get the big premiums. It's, it is so exciting, but then it's like, eh, they're going to leave and then that's not going to be great. Yeah. But um, my State Farm Agency, we got as large as six. Had a bunch of cubicles all stacked everywhere. That was interesting. Um, <laughs> and then... Uh, now we are, there are four of us. Cool. So. How's that set up? Do you have a bullpen or is it offices? Uh, it's offices right now. Offices. Um, I've, yeah. I've still got the cubicles. I threatened to bring them out, but nobody's, <laughs> oh, nobody's jumping on board. So cubicles. we don't even have cubes. So a bunch of people, um, in, you know, intelligence or whatever came out to my office a couple of years ago. And, and so they know, but we have like a bullpen. So they're all jammed in this area. COVID we kind of spread out a little bit because I didn't want to get in trouble, but mm -hmm. they didn't want to be spread out. Like, so it's interesting because once they get used to that bullpen thing, they really like it. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of energy. Our, problem, that, I, I, our problem is the noise. Well, if you have the right headphones then it, it, they don't hear the outside noise and the mic doesn't pick up the noise. So it doesn't sound like a scammer call room coming from India or whatever. Well, you know, these days, I mean, after COVID, I mean, really, you have to second guess how much space you really need. You don't yeah, need that right. much. I mean, heck, if you if you run out of space, you just send somebody home and say work remote. Yeah, yeah. And I have two now that are remote and they're doing it's working out pretty well. So we'll see how that goes. Much easier to hire. But um, how about the culture? Like, what have you done to create that culture in your agency? I'm assuming that it's pretty tight. Yeah, I mean, the, the culture is good in that we're all friends. As I will say probably my weakness is producing a really good culture. Um, I'm one of those people that I just put my head down and just beat up the phone or work too many hours. And then I look up and try to figure out if everybody's happy or upset or not. I'll say this, you know, really being a part of Teledudes and having the Slack channel 
I think has helped out our culture a lot because we're all more engaged in trying to create a motivating, positive environment. Um, so yeah. I'll, I'll say that definitely does help out. Uh, other than the fact that I still feel like we're running like a boiler room um, with all these leads coming in, everybody on the phones. But, um, you know, that's that's the one thing that we're trying to do is just, you know, beat up slack, stay positive, you know, congratulate each other when, uh, you know, when we have a, a sell and it doesn't hurt that, you know, uh, we use agency zoom. Every time you have that sell, that explosion of confetti goes on. Yes. And so, you know, it's, it's you get real confetti too. Shoot it out. I need to do that. I need to just get a gun and just fire it at somebody. <laughs> blow it, it up. And that, that'll bring the enthusiasm. <laughs> it doesn't take much to like, <clears throat> To get the team going, and I, I I agree with you with when it comes to like having something like Slack because that's how we communicate now a lot more, right? Is through mm-hmm. texts and stuff like that. So just having like the team and you know little emojis here and there, it, it does. It's like it creates more of an engaging environment. You know, it's a, it's a little thing, but it's kind of a big thing. No, I agree. Time. I mean, in, anything that can keep the you know I, I look at it, anything that can keep the camaraderie and conversation going without anybody actually standing up to come walk in there to talk to you, like right, that's, that's a positive because the last thing I want is you standing up there trying to you know shoot the breeze with me. I'd just shoot me a, an emoji on Slack and let's yeah. keep going. And it's crazy too because I mean, talking about COVID, that was the first time I realized like we we I mean we just we didn't know when we were going to have to pack it up and all of a sudden one day they're like, okay, pack it up. You got to go home. And it was like, I mean, we were up and running within two hours and everybody was at home business as usual, like no change at all, no negative change within numbers, our KPIs and stuff and no change in behavior because of Slack and all the tools that we were using because we, I guess we operated more like a, a remote agency at the time unknowingly mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and um yeah yeah it's- my people were begging to go back into the office during covid we were the most dysfunctional remote <laughs> remote agency on the planet even though you know covid aside it was a horrible horrible thing but we made more money in 2020 than than i had made since 2017 i mean it was it was unreal yeah. I guess it, everybody was at home i wish we could you know i wish we could go back to the day where everybody was at home and we could just blow up the phones again just go go to wuhan and then come back and call <laughs> <Okay. on> everybody <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it is remarkable like as much as everybody complained about 2020 i have yet to find many business owners who are still in business who have negative things to say about the finances that resulted from yeah. 2020. I agree. I mean, I that's when we launched Teledudes. That's how we, everything grew. We, our agencies were, it was big, you know, it was very helpful to have people home because our contact rates went up. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it's interesting though. We were, we learned so much through that time that we were able to fine tune and get fairly close to the same level of those contact rates afterwards. You know, we have pretty good, pretty solid contact now. Yeah, I um, I, I wish that I would have had Teledudes back then. I mean, we were so inefficient at following up on leads. And it, even though at State Farm, you wouldn't have been able to implement that strategy um, just because there's too many um, compliance things that would have thrown you off. But, you know, with the first time that I heard uh, the, the podcast and what y'all were doing, it was like a light bulb went off. And I was like, oh, my God, that is what I've been searching for for forever how in the world how in the world do i implement it 
And it was like, right. nope, you can't implement it. Nope, you can't implement it. And I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to do something where I can figure out how to implement this. Yeah. That's- well, and even at State Farm, I think there's enough ways that you can get around it. Um, you just don't want to get caught. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you just can't have anything installed on your computers, right? Is that the, the deal? That's right. State yeah. Farm? I mean, if it's not their software, you cannot have it installed. So you can't um, even have Slack. Mm-mm. That's so crazy. So crazy. Well, when you house more data than the Library of Congress, they want to make sure that nothing slips out. Right. Yeah. But but you have a cell like everybody has a cell phone. That's true. Yeah. I mean, and there there are ways because I mean I, I tried to do it before I actually pulled the trigger this time to do it. Um, and I don't even remember who I spoke to. Like I think you had a there was a lady Haley or something, and she and I were trying to game plan how in the world I could get this to work. And I just, I couldn't figure it out. And she was like, well, you can bring in additional laptops or cell phones or um, ways to try to do it. But I mean, the only thing is Slack, right? I mean, that's the big issue. Yeah. I mean, because you really don't need, I mean, because phone murder and all you're doing is just just transferring the phone call in. So that's not really a a big deal. But at that time, I thought it was because I thought we were supposed to have like seats on phone burner and all that kind of stuff. And that's not the case. Right. Yeah. That's where some of our messaging. Yeah, because I, I really did. I mean, even when I pulled the trigger this time, I thought that I was going to have to have four seats on phone burner. And Lanny was like, no, no. I mean, that's not not anything what you have to do. So Right. Yeah. I, I guess maybe that's a messaging thing on our end. <laughs> so let's talk about your recruiting process. How, how have you brought people into the agency historically? Historically, I always used uh, – we had a, um, a deal with a, a vendor called Career Plug, but it was always piggybacking off of Indeed and then um, LinkedIn, and then there was another one, ZipRecruiter. Uh, we used that, and um, it used to be so easy. I, I promise you, coming into 2020, it was the easiest thing in the world to find just hundreds of resumes to try to get people. But then after that – it was like literally everybody became a ghost. Um, and then mainly it was, you know, more if we were going to recruit, it was from a, an existing team member that we were trying to get them to send over somebody that they knew. Uh, it really just cut down on, well, it's kind of like, you know, having to put so many people through the pipeline in order to get one to show up for an interview and then to move them forward to hire. So we just kind of started using our existing team members to recruit their friends. Right now we're at, you know, you know, if y'all could reach through the computer and slap me, you probably would when I say this, but right now I'm not recruiting it. Well, it's really because, uh, we kind of have a family affair going on right now. So if it's highly likely anybody would leave, but it's always possible. But, uh, really the only recruiting that I'm doing right now is just talking to people about what I'm doing. If they seem interested, we're carrying on that conversation. I haven't posted anything on indeed or anything like that. My experience has been that when I take my foot off the gas on, on the recruiting, it puts me in a very dangerous position if somebody does leave. Yes. No, um, and it, and, it did with me. And to, and you never know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, you, pretty much this. I mean, and I, and I say nobody would ever leave, and hopefully they don't. But you, you say you never know. You always know. Somebody's going to leave. I mean, it was yeah. just, it's inevitable. And Right. And, I just mean you never know when. <laughs> yeah, leave. when. When, yeah, when they're going to leave you, they're going to leave you when you're on vacation or leave you when you've got something big that's got to close. And the most inopportune time is exactly when it's going to happen. I mean, they will go to lunch and just never come back. <laughs> I actually had that happen before. <laughs> I have to. Yeah. Just got up oh, and said, yeah. I'm going to lunch, never came back. And I was like, oh, yep. Yeah. It's rough. It's a classic, really. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> Why not just 
say something, but you know, it's people are funny. Yeah, we're a funny animal. Funny okay. animal. I just saw um, that tactic on uh, 90 Day Fiance. Have you guys seen that show? Uh uh-uh. uh. No, it's, it's the worst. It's, it, <laughs> it's really not good. It's not good. To, but like my wife and I will watch it. But like, <laughs> so they, it's all about, and this is a total side tangent, but it's all about somebody, you know, from different countries and they either come over here or they go over there and they have 90 days to get the visa. And they, so they have a long distance relationship and they got to be together. So this one the other day. And they're like, she goes to like Columbia to meet her future wife. And then they go shopping for a food truck. And then all of a sudden, like in the food truck, she's like, I didn't think this out very clearly. And then it's like, <laughs> what? And then, and then she's like, yeah. And then all this is excuses about her having to go home. Then she goes home and she doesn't ever come back. Mm. That's a big time. That's a big yeah. time lunch break version. <laughs> Side tangent. Sorry. I'm going to go, go down to Columbia and grab a whatever you grab down there and <laughs> grab a Pablo Escobar and see you later. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Wow. Wow. Side tangent. Yeah. Uh,